Welcome to the Comedy Best Kept Secret Tour podcast. I'm here with uh, Ryan Roman. Hello, sir. How's it going? It's going good, man. Uh, <laughs> so here's what happened. Uh, legitimately, we were on our way to go handle some business for another event. Uh, it was an open audition process. Uh, and I had an RSVP online, a record low number of people RSVP'd, which is fine. We actually have uh, a full contest up to this point, but basically we were going to go to Albany and we said, no, we're not. So now we're in my living room uh, doing the Comedy Best Kept Secret Tour podcast because I promised him we would do one in the car on the way up. So this is Ryan Roman, who um, is the official or, or unofficial Intern, I guess. I of, put it on my resume. Of so comedy productions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and Hoboken Comedy Festival. Here's a dude who came up to me. Um, I can't even remember how he reached out to me. Probably on Facebook uh, or email, or email website, me. Yeah. And basically was like, yo, uh, I'm not asking for anything. I just want to help out. Is that cool? And up to that point, I don't think he'd really been doing comedy much. And, and I had him come and help out. And it's what now, two years? It's been a year. But you did. But you did the first. You did last year's festival. Right? No, I didn't perform. But you but you helped out last yeah, year's festival. And that was like when I started like I started writing at sixteen, but when I started performing was after that festival because I realized I wasn't shit. Yeah. Oh, you saw people <laughs> performing and you were like, oh. Plus, uh, to be fair, we get, and this is not easy for anybody, especially because, what, you said you're 19 now? Yeah. Uh, it's not easy for anybody, but, like, we had you, like, introduce the comics one year and you got, like, stage fright on, like, that intro shit. So I was like, I was like, all right, he needs a second. He needs a second. <laughs> uh, but, dude, you fucking rocked it this year. Like, uh, first right. night, Monday night, right straight out the gate, uh, you, like, won that night, uh, which is crazy. Yeah, it was it was fun. I um, I'm glad I didn't ask to be put on stage. Yeah, I, I wasn't ready at all. It's weird. It is weird because people. I haven't had anybody um like you try to be in that position before. I um, and this is how I was. Like I, I I met when I first when I first decided I wanted to do comedy. I I talked my way into this club in Syracuse. Mm. Uh, I said, listen, I'm I'm not 21. I'm not supposed to be here, but you got this club, and this is, I think, what I want to do. Um, I'd be happy to pay two drinks for a couple sodas, whatever. I'm not here to, to fuck around. I'm here to drink. I just want to see the show. Guy lets me in. I hang out there the entire summer. I go to every show mm. uh, for that entire summer. They had uh, Wednesday through Sunday, and he, I mean, he he pulled me aside and said, "Listen, you don't have to pay a cover. You just you, you get to you get to come here now. You're my son now." So <laughs> I, I was there every every weekend, uh, the entire summer. And then at the end of the summer, I was like, "Listen, man, I'm about to leave for like six months. I'm going to London. I got this thing I've been working on." He's like, "I want to see it. When can I see it?" And I said, "Give me three weeks." Mm-hmm. And he did, and I and I went up. So I guess I asked eventually, but um. But it was that same vibe of just chilling. Yeah, and as you build bonds, learning. I like building bonds with people because it's just way more interesting than asking a person for something and then yeah. going separate ways. A lot I've of people. S- I've seen a lot of people enter this business in in a lot of ways, and this 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 was a good way. I saw somebody once, um, this girl, uh, just become friends with everybody. Yeah, act like she wasn't trying to be a comedian, and then like a year and a half, two years in, after she already knew everybody. And the yep. thing is when. Comedians see other comedians like trying to get in. We like I don't know why we like we like try to stop them. Right? So, yeah, like mentally, I'm, I'm like, I see someone like when like friends of mine tell me they want to be comics. Yeah. I'm just like, I, yeah, I don't know if it's your thing, but maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't know if this is for you, bro. <laughs> but so we try to stop them. So this girl like infiltrated the entire uh, industry uh, by being like good friends with everybody, and then like a year and a half in, she, she like. 
she acted like we tried to push her into it because like people were like, "Oh, you should do it. You're fun. You're funny." Yeah. And so she, she acted, and then and then I looked back after like two years, three years of this thing, and I was like, "Oh, this girl's fucking brilliant." Rather than like struggle and go to open mics and like have to try to make friends and and figure it out, she just went to shows as an audience member for like. A year and a half, mm-hmm. and then was already endeared to the market, which is which is great. That's a smart way to go about it. Uh, yeah. It's a fear of mine because I don't like. Usually, I don't like building bonds with with comics without them seeing me perform first. Interesting. Oh, because when I met you, I wasn't a comic, really. Right. I was just I wanted to see the shows. Yeah. And I want I didn't know there was a festival. I wanted to see the festival. Yeah. But now it comes to the point where. I'm afraid to become friends with comics who haven't seen me performed in case they don't like my performance. Oh. Because you can like somebody but not like Yeah, that's them. interesting. That's interesting. I think we separate it, though. I do. I Now, I, it's t- I'm in a weird position because I'm now, I've put myself in a position of, I don't want to say authority, but I have some stake in the game for a lot of people because yeah. I run the Hoboken Comedy Festival, I run Make Me Laugh, and I run the Comedy's Best Kept Secret Tour, so I can put people on stage, um, you know, at the tune of like 200 shows a year. So it's an interesting place to be because it, it does put me in this weird spot, but I try really hard not to to be the one directly watching videos, directly judging things because I don't think that's I don't think that's fair and I don't want my personal stuff to get into it. Because I think because one of the one of the things you learn in comedy is that people only watch you like once every five years. Yeah. So people will watch you probably whoever was with you at the Hoboken was watch your set. They're not gonna try and see your set again. Yeah. For like another five years. Um. So I think we all have this like in our heads. Everybody, everybody that I know in comedy that's been in it for for ten years or whatever. In my head, I have this, you know. Yeah set idea of where they're at and they're way past that now like they're way better now but mm-hmm. until i accidentally see them or like to go on before me i'm not gonna like go out of my way to see their set so it's, it's like um it's like you hang around a group for me it's like if you hang around a group of kids at your table mm-hmm. and then one, there's always that one kid that leaves and all of you guys kind of like shit on that kid okay and yeah. I don't want to be that kid that you don't like, get shit on yeah i don't want to be shitted on when people they're like oh ryan yeah he's cool he's our boy but Man, he fucking sucks. He ain't shit. Um, well, that's I mean, that's something that could that should and, and, and could make you just strive harder to be better every time. Yeah. Um, so use that shit. Um but what else? Yeah, I don't know that yeah, I don't know that that's happening. I don't know. I don't think I I really don't think comedians that's a lie. I was gonna say I really don't think comedians judge like that, but we really do. I we, feel like yeah, the, it's like based on the set. Like if you don't really like the set, you're not really gonna hang out with that person ever. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough because I have people. I'm trying to think of people that I that I hang with that that I also care about their comedy. I think what happens is eventually you, you care about that person uh, beyond their comedy, and then and then if they're not where you think they could be because you've been hanging out with them, and so there's obviously mm-hmm. something fun about hanging out with them, then you might start slowly kind of, like, working, you know, working with them uh, on the notion that, like, you know, trying to brainstorm. You're like, listen, that bit that you got about oh, whatever, see, whatever, like, you know, you know, like, what if, or, like, wh- you know, should it keep going? Or, you know, so it becomes that kind of thing. So, because I've seen whole chunks of people, uh, comedians, become a crew, and then the whole crew tends to get better sometimes there's like a guy who's just better and there's a guy who's not getting any better and it's kind of staying low or whatever but generally there's like th- just that 
I don't know. Something about about having the crew of people gives them confidence to get better because it's like that's the hardest part is like yeah. is, is is needing the acceptance from the audience. And so if half the audience is your boys who are you running the show with, that makes it easier. Yeah. Then you can just fuck off and like really get to the root of what you you know who you really want to be. But that also could backfire where it turns into I forget who said it. I don't know if it was Chris Rock. Somebody said like he sees gr- he sees groups of comedians hanging out and then always going out together, mm-hmm. but they're not getting better because they're not spending enough time alone. Yeah, you could be a bunch. Yeah, you could be in a bunch of ain't shit people hanging out. That that's what we find. And and this is an interesting thing. And I, when I, me and Andrew Frank and and now Adam Gable and some of these other guys that I've traveled the country with, we'll go to a market. We'll try to do make me laugh in, in one of these markets that doesn't have a huge comedy community. And sometimes you go to a market where there's there's like no. There's like no cream rising to the top, so then the 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 level for how funny you have to be is set lower. We're in New York, so we don't have that problem. Oh, it's like, like the fucking yeah. best people. Yeah. So yes, exactly. So it's like if if you're not playing in summer league in DC, yeah, on the East Coast, you ain't shit. Yep. I mean, you you go play in Florida, you're dunking on people, but it ain't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, that's that's ex- that's exactly what it's like. So you know, you need you need to be in the room where Carmelo is. You need to be in the room where LeBron yeah. is just fucking leaping over people for you to understand the level that you need to rise to. Like New York makes you uh, <laughs> like going to the cellar makes you pissed off. Like, <laughs> like you're like, God damn it! How did like how did he do that? Oh yeah, first time I went was. Uh was the Chappelle drop in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An amazing fucking show. Yeah. Even if he didn't show up, it's still an it's amazing show. It's still a monster show. show, yeah. And I remember like just being in awe of it. Yeah. Because I've seen comedy. I've seen great comedy. Yeah. I just haven't seen it like that. Yeah, it's another level. It really is another level. Uh, Chappelle is another level. Uh, I don't know how to how to explain this to people. You just need to go and, and, and see it. Um, that's how I feel about my boy Andrew Schultz, man. I I love this kid. He's he's one of my favorites. Me and me and him worked worked uh, worked a lot of a lot of things together. And I'll go. And we've always had a very similar mindset. Um, he might he might skew a little harder in a particular direction, but we've always kind of had the same mindset on a lot of things. So a lot of times I'll go and see him and his setup on a joke, and I'm like, God damn it! And I was like, This is fucking brilliant. And then where he takes it and the level that he's able to achieve with this joke uh, is just—he's a master of rhetoric. He really—he's really unbelievable. And then and then he's figured out what the persona needs to be to play off. So honestly, one of his trademarks is he'll kind of find something that is um agreed upon like a universal truth in a way or or, or mm-hmm. like or like a um some something that's controversial and he'll take the the side you're not supposed to take and he'll and that's where he starts from uh for comedy a lot of ways so he uh and he really he he prides himself on kind of proving the opposite of what should be true and that's what we have to I feel like that's what we should be doing as people just I to f- see both sides. I definitely agree with that. That's 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 my bit about uh, about dating somebody who voted for Trump. You know, is is this idea that we we need to be getting out there and 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 sharing these ideas? I tried I tried to see this girl a couple uh, right after the election, mm-hmm. and on the date I had to keep reminding her that I didn't vote for Trump because I was playing devil's advocate, and she kept getting oh my god, she was getting visibly angry, like she wanted to slap me, and I was like, look, what if? And she just kept, and I had to keep being like, just by the way, I did not vote for Trump. 
but what if? <laughs> and she was just getting pissed. And basically, her her perspective was that if you voted for Trump, you can't even speak to me. That's that's not that's crazy. That's where we're like at as a country. Mm-hmm. Is where we hear something we don't right. want to hear, and we automatically just want to punch people in the right, face. Right, dude. I, well, this is funny because my family, my um. I was raised in a house of very, very short fuses. Now, I was never in the power position on this, uh, you know, because it was it was mom, dad and my older sister. So I was never in the position where I could where I could uh, adopt that philosophy and succeed. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to beat up my dad. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) You know, you you can't hit your mom. And then my older sister just always had the drop on me. Um, And so. It's just interesting because I. Basically, you know, I have two younger siblings, but the position I was put in for a while was 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 to just kind of like see this. So now, even looking back, I see that my my family kind, my father still has that kind of mentality. My mom still does. My sister still does. So it's just fun now to look back and and watch that because it is me and my father got an argument about um, the Big Short. Yeah, and I can't understand his perspective from the standpoint that he's arguing for the thing that that. That actually that ended up screwing him over. Yeah, I mean, so my father, you know, was was just a regular middle class dude. was doing was doing fine. Started making some money, and then kind of hit some career plateaus. And then he purchased a house in the mid nineties, and with the anticipation that it was going to appreciate. Mm. And yeah. if the market held the way it looked like it was going to, then the house would have been worth. Double or triple yeah. in twenty five years when the mortgage was up uh, from what it was. Uh, instead, it was worth uh, you know one and a half times after twenty five years of paying for it, which was kind of which was kind of upsetting. And 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 he had refinanced a couple times, so I don't know where he ended up if he ended up uh, upside down in the house or not. But either way, uh, he got screwed by by the the the. The, mark, the circumstances uh, the bankers, of right? what this movie is about, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I saw it. It was very interesting uh, topic to cover because I, I didn't understand what happened. Yeah, it was the recession, and it does a really good job. And it was not, yeah. it wasn't about a recession. It was about you know it was well you know what it was about right? Yeah, it was about, about a lot what, of bad paper. Yeah, like um, what was it? The what's the word where people they would give subprime mortgages? Yeah, subprime uh, mortgages. Yeah. So there was so people. Well, then the, the, the and there was confidence in in things that were. Garbage. Yeah, just giving out shit just to give out shit. Because like, the more shit you gave out, the more money you made. Yeah. Well, it, it and this is and this is the same conversation I'm having with now with him now about Bitcoin. Is he doesn't see the 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 point, and he's arguing. So my uh. my point is that me and my father put hands on each other over Christmas, kind of about the Big Short. Like that's how like that's how serious it got. Uh, so it was just interesting. I was in the defensive, but then I also like I was in a position where I'm 34 years old, and it's just like you can't put hands on me now. Yeah, like, that's a weird. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I know, <laughs> I know you, I know you thought you could fight me, you know, as a child, and so like that stopped everything, you know. And you're my point yeah. of authority. I'm 34 now. Like, I can fight you. I don't know you if that'll I mean? fly in, in a Puerto Rican household. I feel like all well, the adults would just. Well, what's I'm saying? It's an Italian household too, but so it was the same <laughs> thing. So, well, I mean, there was nobody else. There was nobody else involved. So my cousin was was there chilling, and my cousin basically let it happen until I put hands back on my father. So I shoved my dad, and then my cousin jumped in, and I'm like, and I was like, oh, now you jump in, huh? <laughs> but uh, but it's an interesting, it's interesting, yeah. This this short fuse notion, 
It's the culture. I don't it's get like, why. Yeah, and I don't get why. I just don't get why people fight. I don't get it at all. I never got it. I blame Twitter because everyone's opinion now is valued. Sure. In in a sense, so now people feel like their opinion matters more than other people's opinions based on follower count. Yeah. Well, I think more than that is there's two sides now on every topic. Yeah. There's no wiggle room. So if you don't argue within the two sides, you're wrong. That's, That's kind of how it's worked. It's super uber liberal, and then there's like super conservative. Well, you, yeah, you live in New York, so I, dude, I'm in I'm in fucking uh, Missouri. Like most of this year, I've been in Missouri because I've I, I've been able to, to to lock down some pretty solid shows there, and there's just a couple other reasons I want to hang out in Missouri. But um, shout out, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but the um, yeah, I mean, it, the 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 notion as soon as you leave New York City is that the election went correctly, <laughs> and that everything and that everything cool. is everything <laughs> is is right. And then it's like there's this weird point of of discussion where people they'll like like I you can't even really mention Trump on stage still. It's rough, man. I get this joke about challenging the president, mm. and I never say Trump. And and the room and the room gets palpable, and it's just about how uh, the animal kingdom is set up better because yeah, you yeah. can challenge authority, uh, you know that you can fight the alpha and then become the new the new leader. Uh, and so I'll just so one of the lines is about ripping the president's penis off, and it just gets uncomfortable in the room, and it's not, uh, and it's not because the joke's no good because the joke <laughs> was about CEOs prior to this election. I just felt like this was a good energy to put it in, and. Uh, and people, yeah, people just people get uncomfortable because they're like they think it's gonna go political, and nobody wants to have that discussion. Yeah, I was at one of the uh, one of the Tall Day shows, the Culture Vulture shows, mm-hmm. and this one comic was telling like I think she was shitting on Trump, and then she said a couple lines, and then someone from the audience got really riled up. Yeah, and then there was a, like an argument, and they got kicked out the show just because they took it too far in the yeah. political thing. Like the joke had barely had anything to do about Trump. Yeah. But since you mentioned Trump and the kind of shitted on him, that person was like offended, which so, is weird because you're offended for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the that's what's happening now. This is the comedy that you're coming into is that people get to be offended for other people. So uh, I'm a white dude, and so I don't get to talk about fat people. I don't get to talk about <laughs> women. I don't get to talk about black people. I don't get to talk about anything because they they're. You know, basically the notion is that you, you're not in their shoes. You yeah. can't talk about it. Best thing to be right now is be brown, brown or black, uh, a woman and gay. Like those, that's the trifecta fat. of, you gotta be fat. oh, you got to be fat. That's the, that's the quadfecta of, of being able to talk about anything you want on stage. You know, you can't be, you're a skinny dude. You can't just go up and start shitting on fat people. Yeah. And you're not and even shitting some, on fat people. I and got peop- some fat people ideas and, I just can't let, and write you can, down. You can't, can't write them down. You can't, well, you can't, uh, you can't let them out. That's the problem. And I hate to, and I hate that this is the conversation because I don't want to sit here and tell you that you can't do shit because you, you, sh- you should be able to figure out. And this brings me back to Andrew Schultz who's figured out how to talk about anything. Yeah. Uh, and that's really the masterfulness of, of comedy. But what's happened so far is in New York City, there was such a bullying aspect of don't vote for Trump mm-hmm. that now in the rest of the country, there's the opposite. There's this bullying aspect of uh, we voted for Trump and that's the way it is. So it's like it's both ends. It's like we're in this weird culture of non non like we're all just hypocrites. That's really where we're at. 
you know, somebody who thinks they're progressive says yeah. something regressive, like like if you voted for Trump, don't don't talk to me. And then some, and then people that are that are anti-bully are meanwhile bullying other people into their opinions. So it's just this weird fucked up world. We need comedy. We need it. Yeah, I just like I can't like I can't talk about old people on stage either. Yeah, that's. I remember when I was like, when I well, I, I was never nineteen doing comedy, but I was twenty one, and I and I was doing this joke about something about my balls being old. <laughs> Whatever. It's like you know, this fucking, you know, when you when you're when you're in your when you're starting out in comedy, you're like fifteen minutes of your act is about your balls for some that's reason. That's most of my act right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, people would come up to me afterwards, and they were like. Uh, you're very young. You know that you're very like because you offend people when you're like, "Oh, my middle aged balls," and they're like, "Well, I'm 50." Yeah, and you're 20, and you're talking about being old. Because, I, I mean, like, I have a jo- a bit that I've been trying to throw in, and it's I I don't get off the seat like in the train for old people that yeah. dye their hair. That dye if, their hair if they can't handle the fact that they're aging. Neither can I. Sure. And I'm gonna play a part in this, you know, fantasy they got going on. Right. Right. And then I say, I don't even know why I should be getting up for older people at all because I don't know what they did in their life. Like, yeah. I could have been doing volunteer work this whole day, but I have to give up my seat to someone who probably didn't want to share a class with black people. Right, right. And, and then people really get tight about that. And yeah, well, because white people. White people, when you say black people, get uncomfortable. But also older people think I'm just being disrespectful. Yeah, well, there's that. There's, 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 uh, <laughs> there's politeness for no reason. Uh, I felt that way the other day. I, dude, I, I have a garbage back, and I like I'm ha- I can't stand up for very long. And there was all these old people around. I was at this benefit thing, and I like pulled this chair out, and I like I wanted to offer it to this lady, but she was like seemed like she was fine. So I sat down, and then I felt like a piece of shit. Yeah, because you, you feel like you have to label yourself, like you have to put a handicap sign on your shirt so people know. Yeah, I'm not just being an asshole. But even if I want a seat, I should be able to just grab a seat. It's first come first. It's survival of the fittest, man. Yeah, get like, get you know get on get get there. Just get you get to see you you run there faster than you you got it. <laughs> that should be. I think that's. I think I think and that that brings me back to the other thing. I really do think we should live, especially now. I think we should live more in that in that realm of survival of the fittest, but. It is. It is tough. So there's that. There's that new Denzel movie coming out, which is uh, uh, about one? about a lawyer mm. uh, in like the 80s or 90s, and um, I'm not sure the exact plot of the movie. But the scene that they keep playing in the preview is uh, it, he's in a room full of people. He's like giving a speech. He's talking about something. He's trying. I think he's trying to unite uh, a bunch of. Uh, I think. I think it's uh, a people of a particular uh, group. I think it's, I think it's, I actually think it's all black people. So mm-hmm. he's trying to, he's, he's trying to have this meeting and he says something to the effect of like, and, and all you brothers have to give up to see for you, for you, for these sisters over here. There's all these girls are standing on the corner mm-hmm. and the girls are like, it was like, that's sexist. And he goes <laughs> and polite. She goes, that's patronizing and sexist. I'm a feminist. And he goes, and polite. <laughs> so there's just something about, uh, Oh yeah, my mom hates just, when I say shit like she thinks I'm misogynistic because I say uh, she tells me make sure you pay for the date and I say I don't have to. Yeah, there's something but about manners. To. There is something about manners well, that's that's left to. over, and this is this is the problem that we live in. And you you gotta maybe live in it a little harder than I do because I because I've seen I've been in both worlds because I'm just you know twice your age, but uh, the yeah the the this now there's this thing where. Uh, we have to straddle. We have to straddle manners, and and what is and what is right for now. Like, is it? Yeah, is it patronizing to uh, 
to to look a certain way, view a certain way? Is it is it anti-feminist to I don't know to open a door or not open a door? We're like we're in this fucking mixed world, and it's like half of it is just like it's polite. Yeah. Uh, but somehow that pisses people off. Like, oh, I can't open the door myself. My sister called this lady uh, uh, a ma'am uh, when she was working at Target <laughs> once, and this fucking lady flipped out on her. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like I say, I say miss. Everyone gets a miss. Yeah, miss. Now. Yeah, miss. Yeah, miss is important. You you figured it out. That's you that's give the way a miss and a smile. And if miss? it's a guy, if it's a, sometimes guys like being called dude, it makes them feel cooler. Oh, really? But some dudes uh, they want to be called sir. Yeah, I think dude is important if there's any question about whether or not you have a penis. You go, he's a dude. <laughs> like That's when you call somebody dude, but otherwise I think it's sir. <laughs> but I, but this is starting to piss me off. I've been watching, I've been, you know, I watch a, a fair amount of uh, reality TV when I'm not, uh, you know, traveling 18 hours a day. Um, but I watch a lot of these Discovery Channel shows where they where they come in and they fix things. So it's like a lot of people are yeah. acting for the first time and they're trying to be respectful. And there's this thing where everybody's still doing this uh, this Pharrell thing where they go Yazur, and I'm just <laughs> I'm just so I'm over it. I'm over Yazur, and I'm over uh, uh, living my best life. I'm over those two things. Living my best life needs yeah is garbage. That one just kind of started and it needs to living end. my best life started yesterday and I'm already over it. It's the worst thing because first of all, none of you are living your best life. You're all full of shit. None None of you are even close to living your best life. Dude, I'll be on the dating sites. Girl asks me how I'm doing. I'll say fantastic, and she'll be like, why? Well, the answer is because I'm living my best life, but I'm not going to write that because that's garbage because I actually am. Nobody else is out there happy, man. Nobody's happy out here, and it's like it's really it's like a plague. Because they, they, they're too worried about competition. They're worried about looking happier than the other person, which isn't happy. Who? The, which like, person? Like what, what you post on – Snapchat is just uh, reality TV for people who can't get sure. on TV. So what you're Whatever posting on, on Snap is what you want people to see, it, like the enclosed uh, yeah. moments of your life, which are the better moments of your life. Well, you want, we all got to live in this nine to five world, and it's like if you figure out how to get outside of that, then that way it makes people nervous, and B, people don't know how to do that. So everybody's just waiting around for their eventual dream. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's doing what they want to be doing. Oh yeah, I love seeing people post pictures of the mansion with the with the G wagons outside. But I know the person. Yeah, I haven't seen. I don't. I don't run into that. You work as much. at Walmart. That's funny. Then, uh, who did that at Walmart? Uh, uh, Bow Wow did that. You remember when Bow Wow got caught out on fake, that? Uh, the fake. Uh, yeah, he said. Uh, <laughs> he said. He, he posted something like that. Like, oh, I live my best life getting on his oh, that's, that's, getting on his PJ. I almost believed it. No, this is so funny. He said. He said getting on the PJ, and then somebody <laughs> was a private jet, and then somebody posted the exact picture that he posted from like some private jet website, and then that's and then somebody else. Uh, took a picture of Bow Wow on a, on the fucking commercial plane in coach, um, at the t- like like five minutes after he posted it, it was, it was fantastic. But people almost believed it, yeah, because he's Bow Wow. Other people yeah. have no credibility, and they're like, "No, Bow Wow's broke." They're but he's Bow Wow. But he's broke, broke. He's always gonna be <laughs> known, whether he's famous yeah. or not. He's always gonna be. I loved Bow Wow. Bow Wow, that was my uh, end of high school. He was still a little baby. He was a little baby Bow Wow. He was still a little Bow Wow, and he had this little he had this little walk dance. He called it the walk, and that was that was how I that's how I went out at prom. I was like, ah, I did the walk. I did the Bow Wow walk. I killed it. Um, There's people now that I know that have no work ethic that post pictures yeah. that be like, oh, me in ten years. And I'm like, how? Oh, with, the, with the PJ? Yeah. I'm like, how exactly do you plan to do that? Dude, it's tough, man, because I got work ethic, and I have no idea how I'm ever going to get a PJ. Like, that's where I'm at. I'm trying to buy a little tour bus right now, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sweating about it. You know, it's like, yeah, but it's like, tough. Least, Life is tough. But 
you're living how you not exactly how you want to live, yeah. but you're doing what you yeah. No, I'm need living. I'm living how I want to live. Want to do? Yeah, I'm living. How I want to live. I just need some money to catch up with me. Yeah, it's just some people are just not doing either. They're not living how they want to live, and they're shit. not trying to live how they want to live. Not doing shit. But they're living their best life. Well, here's the problem. I don't think, and this is, and this is the thing. I don't know if you can take this offensively. Or not. I don't think we know who we are uh, for a very long period of time. I, oh, I, yeah. Even the even the jokes that I wrote at 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 don't represent who I am or my beliefs. Today, because yeah. you just don't, you fucking have no idea. Like you're 19 and you got a little grasp on on reality, but I mean, who you're going to be in 10 years is drastic. Yeah, yeah I've had a lot of bits now. that I throw away just because I don't feel that way. Yeah, like I had one. I was like, I don't date Latin girls because I like basketball and they like getting pregnant. That's funny. And then I said, um, I, just, I only said that because I wanted to use this one line, which is their eggs eat sperm cells like Pac-Man. Their eggs eat sperm cells like Pac-Man. I like that. And that's the only reason I use that joke. But now I'm just like, I don't know if I feel that. Yeah. But I still want to use the second part. I right, need to right, find right, a way right. to use that. Well, that you can do that. By, I mean, basically, you can, that's you know that that's uh, predicated upon stereotypes. So you can use that for almost any any mm-hmm. stereotype of a person that gets pregnant a lot. So basically, any Spanish people uh, is pretty much fair game on that one. Yeah. Or like, or it can be more specific. I mean, it can be it can be more specific too. That's the thing. I don't know. I don't want to talk. <laughs> uh, too much on on uh, on joke premise with you because I, I, I know at nineteen you just got you just got to figure it out and and yeah, any advice that anybody gives you and I've been I've been I've been really careful to not try to give you any advice but because any advice anybody gives you at nineteen is like it's a you might you you also you might think it's full of shit b you you might not grasp the thing and then also no I don't want to tilt you in a particular yeah. direction. I see that. I understand. So I remember when people would people would come up to me and be like, "Oh, I like that joke. What if?" blah blah blah. And I was like, "No, you're not even understanding what I'm trying to say with this joke. Like they're trying to take it another direction because mm-hmm. one line or this and the other." Yeah. And I always hated that. So I try to avoid that. Yeah. Especially but, especially with you and and where you're at. Yeah, and I feel like that also because I might turn into a different person. So advice might be useful now. To some people, but in four years, they might have just a totally different outlook yeah. on life. Well, or... this is what... So Andrew Frank is a guy I, I travel the country a lot with. He's he's very funny. Um, and uh, he opened for Jesselnik when he was... He's, he, I think he's only 24 now, so he opened for Jesselnik when he was like 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was doing great. He just he just kept getting funnier and funnier and funnier and funnier every year. And I guess Jesselnik watches him and pulls him aside, and he, and he loves Jesselnik. Um, now, because he watched... Yeah. I mean, he watched him murder for a weekend at the St. Louis Funny Bone. And Jessel and Nick, they're like trying to have like a discussion or whatever. And then Jessel and Nick just basically says to him, uh, "These jokes are great, but you're not going to be doing these jokes in six months." And he didn't really know what that meant. He didn't know if that was should be offensive or whatever, whatever. Yeah. But what it did actually was was just put in his head that he should just always be writing and just like always be coming out with new stuff. the The good stuff is going to stay no matter what because because you're always going to be thinking about it. Well, it, it's it's a couple of things. A if the joke works, you keep it. It's just that's just comedy one hundred and one. Eventually, you're gonna hate the joke because it's so reliable and it works. That's how I feel anyway about comedy. Is once it gets reliable, you're like fuck that joke and you try and you dump it. But some people want to keep that joke forever. But the thing is, if the joke's working, it feels good when you say mm-hmm. it and the response is crazy and you keep it. And then if it's not that, then you get rid of it. You just keep putting new. You keep yeah. putting different stuff in there because. The end of the day, we're putting ourselves out there, and you got to be funny. You're not gonna, yeah, you can't walk down true. the street, 
if you're not funny. So yeah. the whole thing is be as funny as possible so that the cream just keeps rising to the top and the garbage boils out. I feel like that's changing a little bit with dudes like Carmichael. I don't know if you what watched you Carmichael's special. What about it? He's uh, He sits in the silence. Sure. Well, that's a different thing, right? So uh, there's a confidence in, in, in saying less and having them listen more. Now, he's at a – I mean – He's at a completely different position than both of us. I mean, guy's got a sitcom. He's he's literally financing yeah. um, Nate Bargatze's show. Like he's he's a beast. He he had his his first special was directed by Spike Lee. Like we're not, we yeah. don't need to be in a conversation with Carmichael because whatever he's doing, it really doesn't doesn't affect what we're doing. He has already uh, staked reputation, and so he gets to do another thing. Like for those people, that's like walking on stage at minute forty five. We're walking on at minute one, yeah. and we got to do all this stuff. But he's still like his first special was like that, where he's just he's reading from his notebook. He's he doing doesn't stuff, care, yeah. right, right. And if he gets the laugh or not, it doesn't matter to him because he said what he needed to say, right. Well, and that's how I feel about Ben Kronberg, right? It's like there's yeah. a confidence there that he knows he's funny and that what he's doing is real. So that's important enough. But no, dude, when you're a year in, you got to figure out what's funny. Oh that's yeah, because that's how you get other people. That's to it. You put just got to get funny. <laughs> like we can have the discussion all day long, but you, you know, you got to the the job of a comedian is to be funny. That's the that's, yeah. That's the whole job description. But I'll have jokes that I like that I use. Yeah. But I just don't think about. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll like I'll think about new jokes that kind of fit in with this this new. Uh, this new, let's say, ten minutes I have, yeah, and I have jokes I can put in there that I know work. I right. just don't think about them. But yeah. there may be a joke there that's like only one line that I want to delve into, but I keep thinking about it. Like no matter what set I'm writing, I always yeah. think about yeah. putting that one in there. Yeah, there's the ones that stick in your head. That's, the, I mean, the, the the whole thing, the writing process becomes a um, a model of, of of how your brain works in a way, like. I used to watch, you know, I used to watch guys who would write it all out on paper, and then I'd see guys mm. that would like come up with an idea and then try it on stage. And I, I think I'm somewhere between the two now. But like sometimes I'll have jokes that I think are, are great. I'll, uh, you know, I won't have the the perfect experience to be able to try them right because uh, you know if, yeah. I, if I'm in New, if I'm in New York and some, you know, somehow in New York a lot of the sets actually matter, uh, maybe more than on the road. And the road, it's like you know. Uh, if you try a couple new jokes in the minute of th- in the middle of thirty minutes, it's like whatever. You yeah, know, you get them. You you they go up. You go down. You lose them. You get them back. Whatever, whatever. You try to figure it out. But sometimes uh, in New York, especially now because I'm gone so often, I need to constantly be proving myself in this market because uh, you know if I'm if I'm gone all of August, yeah, you know I still need to be able to come back in September and get work. So. Um, so it's tough. It's a tough. Uh, it's a tough position to be in to have to 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 try the new stuff. But to be to be in that position and always be always be thinking about that is is I think where you need to be. Yeah, that's true. I've had. Um, it depends who's the size of the crowd in the venue. Yeah. in my opinion. So I'll do like I'll do this dorm show with my friend Eugene over in uh, Brooklyn Heights, and yeah. I know the crowd is always going to be that that kind of shitty college crowd. Yeah, where they're just kind of like there for the food. It's okay, like it's free food? Free food. Oh, so no they're shit. there for the food. Yeah. So it's like 12 people. So that's when I'll just sit down on the stool and yeah. just talk shit yeah. for like 12 minutes. Yeah. That's that's important. The first When I first started running shows and I would host and I started cultivating an audience in Astoria, then I felt obligated to these people not to do the same material every week. So I, it forced me mm. to, I mean, either talk about what's going on that day or literally... Um, 
come up with jokes, you know, on the way there, you know, just be writing, 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 because I, I mean, I got to go on stage in, in an hour, and I, and and these people already saw my shit, and they're coming back. That's the worst. But it's the, <laughs> I think it's the greatest. I think I think it's the thing that it well, it, it put me in a position where I find, where I built up this this muscle, this like this crowd, crowd work, work yeah, muscle. There you go. Crowd and work, so yeah. I was like, I was like, my there was a point in my career where my crowd work was so superior to my to the written jokes that like it was it, it like I had to like sit down and like and like you know really think about what what to do next was why you know how can i be so funny off the cuff and off the top of my head and the jokes are falling flat like what am i you know yeah. what am i doing different and why is it so much why is this muscle so much stronger than this muscle you know for me it's uh it's pretty much the opposite it's yeah because i'm you know i'm a reserved uh yeah you're awkward, shy as dude i'm an awkward shy guy so like i'm on stage and someone yells something yeah i'm getting a little you're, bit looser now yeah, you don't know what to do like I did this this show over in Nutley where it was like the crowd was just a group of people in the middle. Yeah. Just kinda like almost not being shitty. One of the persons Well uh, when it's on one group, they have the benefit of of the confidence of the group. Yeah. When it's just when it's all couples and they don't know each other, you don't nobody wants to yell out because it's you know, like the whole room could go against it. But if you're in a big group, any any show like this where it's a big group or you go play like a private party you can lose a crowd quick because the crowd is yeah. its own, you know, organism. They're they're one set of people against you, so that's a tough spot to be in. So this guy yells out. So this lady was on her phone, and then they were talking about something. So I just kind of jumped in the middle of their conversation, yeah. and it was working. And then we would go back and forth, and then I forget, they were like a group of bankers, right? Yeah. So I forget, like, so I just started shitting on the fact that they were there. Yeah. At this bar, getting drunk, and whatever. And then we're, we're talking about like student loans. And I forgot that they were bankers when I first went up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Because the, the host was, like, hitting on the lady. Because she's, sure. like, the boss of all these other yeah, bankers. Yeah, yeah. And she obviously has all the bread. So I was like, ma'am, I got student loans if you want to get shit popping in the back. And then I forgot that they're the enemy. Yeah, right. They're the ones supplying me with shit. Oh, the loans. bankers? Yeah, but, but, but then back to the original thing. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're just trying to take a couple dollars on in a nine-to-five situation. Everybody's trying to figure out how to make it work, yeah. man. But that shit worked when I said that they're <laughs> the enemy. And it's like I'm getting better at like just not caring. I yeah. guess my problem was yeah. I, I cared too much. Well, you say a thing, you're vulnerable, and then you got, and then the only thing that needs to happen next is they need to laugh. And if they don't, then you could just fucking crumble. Yeah. Just crumble. And it's like when they try to respond, because it's like in conversations. When people, through text, I, I'm a beast. <laughs> okay. I, I kill it through text. You want to know why? Because I'll look at the message for five minutes, and I'll just let it sit there. Yeah, yeah. And I've crafted a perfect response. It's <laughs> right. so like I'll, I'll think of all the things you could say. I right. send out my response. Fucking chess over here. And fucking used to reply exactly how I thought you would. Right, and right, now right. I already have my next move. That's funny. It's a checkmate. And then, but in, in like person, I don't, a conversation goes yeah. dead every time. Yeah, just because I'm worried about it going dead. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, look, you shouldn't have to be, and that's the problem with with what happened with the position you get put in with comedy, especially now. It's like the more people I meet that are running shows, the more I realize that nobody gives a fuck about the actual experience that the comedian is having. They just go, "Oh, you'll figure it out. It's that's your job, right?" But like those, the down to the little, the littlest details are important to make the show 
be good and be in the favor of the comedian. And that's that's really important and really necessary. Having good sound, good lighting, the right setup so that people like I was arguing with this guy the other day. I was in Florida and I was it's guaranteed money. But I was like I was trying to set up the room in a way that's going to uh, going to be beneficial for me. I was I was just it was a guy opening mm-hmm. for me uh, and then and then just me. And it and basically I, I pulled all the chairs off of the bar. Because everybody yeah. was trying to sit at the bar. And I was like, sorry, guys, we're not seating the bar tonight. And I literally am physically moving the chairs. And then the people, and then a couple people that wanted to sit at the bar because they didn't want to sit near the stage yeah. uh, left. Hate those people. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I don't care if they leave. I'm, I'm getting guaranteed money. And these two, the, if I identify that you're going to be a garbage audience member, I'm, I'm happy to have you go. Yeah. You're not even here for the show. She's like, well, the owner invited us in, whatever. So the owner was just like trying to rally up. The, he had two rooms. And he was trying to rally yeah. up the people in the other room to get in because I think he felt obligated to me to, you know, to make the show good, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So then he comes up to me and he's like, hey, man, why are you kicking these people out? They said that you were rude and you, 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 you're, uh, you're not letting us sit at the bar. And I go, yeah, I, I, I simply told him that we're not seating the bar right now because uh this room is impossible and 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 having that them sit at the bar facing the bar talking to the bar yeah. with their back to me serves me no purpose you know and, and we shouldn't have to perform in that environment people and we do a lot want the, the the worst seats in the show i don't understand that yeah no everybody's afraid to sit in the front right and then uh um, then they want like the worst view of the stage as well this is well this is when i realized the reality of, of seating. Nate Bargatze, who we can all agree is an incredible comic. One of the funniest people. The guy's got two or three Comedy Central specials. He's on five different Netflix shows where that are featuring stand-up comedians. Uh, he's been on... He's the only... He's one of three people that has carte blanche to go on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. That's uh, He literally can call and be like, look, I got a new set. I want to debut it. And they say, great, come next week. He's one of three... It's, it's him, Brian Regan, and Jerry Seinfeld. Those are the only three guys that can call Fallon and be like, I want to come on whenever I want. Okay? So... Undeniably funny. He has a sitcom coming out. Oh, cool. Um, I have him on an outdoor show mm-hmm. in uh, on 52nd Street in this little park. I tried to control him best I could. We ended up with too many chairs. So we end up with yeah. some chairs that we, we, end up, we end up seating for like 100 when, when probably 30 or 40 people came out. Because it's a kind mm-hmm. of a day show. It was kind of, it was kind of a bad idea. Um, <laughs> so people are sitting way far back and nowhere near him. And the, you know, and the fucking sound is bouncing off the buildings and this and that. Yeah. And Nate's up there. Doing Nate, and there's two people in the back row, and I can see them basically like being bored, like a bird lands, they look at the bird, and I can see them get, gathering the opinion that this guy's no good at comedy. And I'm like, no, this, this is this fucking dude <laughs> is going to be one of the greatest comedians of all time, and you're not giving him any respect because you're garbage and you're not. And so it's like. As soon as you have no attention span for comedy, you just, yeah. you, as the audience member, you just go, well, this guy's no good. You're like, yeah, he's no good because you weren't listening. Yeah. The guy's actually brilliant, and you're a piece of garbage. But So that's the problem that we bump into with comedy all the time is that we get we get judged every 10 or 15 seconds and half the time. Yeah, it's because that's how long they're paying attention for. And if the circumstances aren't right, you know, it's like. I know, if I watch a video of someone performing, I'm less likely to laugh than I, like. I go to a live show. I'm laughing. I don't. You got. Yeah, you're in there. Bit. Yeah, dude. I'm. I'm trying. I was trying to watch Patton Oswalt's special on uh, Netflix. I can't even handle it anymore. I like. I, I'm. I'm in a weird place in my life. I was playing on my phone the whole time, and yeah. I was like, I didn't. You know, I, I wasn't. I wasn't even engaged. Of course, I'm not gonna. I've only had like, like 
Jerry Seinfeld special, I was pausing back and forth. Yeah. Uh, the only one that I sat through was the Michael Che one. Yeah. The Carmichael one and all the Chappelle ones. Yeah. So we know. So we. So we. We see where your background is. <laughs> we see. We see you give no respect to white comics and give all the respect to black. I'm oh, kidding, I mean, no, I CK. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I have to sit through his, but his new special is just because it came to me. At a time where now my phone is just yeah. Well, what was brain. interesting with the new special was he in the first like seven minutes he hits on yeah. three huge topics yeah. that me and Andrew had been talking about in the car trying to figure out how to make funny suicide. Um, uh, fuck, I forgot what the three were, but it was abortion. Like, it was suicide, abortion, and and, and one more thing. Uh, was it? No, he. Not in the beginning, he didn't talk about being gay, and he just and he just bang 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 uh, right in a row, and, and we were like, God damn it, because our contention, me and Andrew, and it was almost almost verbatim what he ended up saying, which was if if you want to die, you should die. Like that's kind of how we how we took it, and his and his one of his lines was that like life isn't for everybody, yeah, and he proves it in in the jokes or whatever whatever, and and so for us that was a really poignant particular moment. Um, but then I see people reviewing it, and they're like, well, you can't talk about that. You can't talk about suicide. And that's where we're at now is people are telling Louis C.K. what he can and cannot talk about, which is ridiculous. Why? Why can't I talk? What if that's on my mind? Why can't I right. get off what's on my head? Right. I had, um, what was it? And I- if it's in your head, here's the thing. If it's in your head, if it's in my head, if it's in Louis C.K.'s head, then it's something that's happening in society. Like, this yeah. is not coming from nowhere. Like, yeah. we, we do this thing where we say, oh, there's a creative mind, this and that. No, no, no. It's just... It's out there like we like my mind can only be as creative as the as the experiences I have around me. So yeah. knowing that people don't handle death correctly is an experience I have on a daily basis. Yeah. And it's I don't understand. It's like they want people to share what they're like. Yeah. They talk about uh, depression and stuff. Yeah. And what if that's depressed? Like if I make a joke out of it. What's so bad about that? If right. I make, like, I'm making it easier to talk about. Right. Well, that's how I feel now. That's why, that's why, I, I, that's why I try really hard every night to try and, I'm trying to get this Alzheimer's joke to work because, yeah. it, you know, and, and I got this joke now about Tess getting run over by an ambulance. These are, the, these are the big things in my life that are affecting me emotionally. My grandfather's got Alzheimer's. My dog almost died from getting run over by an ambulance. So, like, you watch my set, my hour set, and, and you learn a lot about me. But more than that, it's like that's the catharsis that I have. And if I had experiences like this, then there's I know there's other people that are having the same experiences, and we we I mean we need to fucking laugh at these yeah, things. So we're gonna a fucking sad fucking song, and everyone's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, he just made me feel worse about its topic. Right, like why is that better than me making you laugh? About right, right, rape. Yeah, it's well, and it's interesting is is that our our thing gets less um, no respect leeway. Less respect, less leeway. Like if you like, there's plenty of movies where they delve deep into rape, and they'll have rape scenes, and the yeah, and that's the, and, uncomfortable. And the movie me. will get an R rating that's, or an NC yeah. seventeen rating because of such a graphic, violent rape scene. But whereas comedians want to jo- want to joke about rape, and and you know this is I was looking up some Patrice clips. So this is this is a ten oh, year ten year thing where where media and people and, and and civilians are trying to tell us what we can and cannot joke about. Meanwhile, every other piece of art, every other form of art, yeah, is allowed to delve into everything. I mean, you know, the, there was a movie about snuff films. Um, you know, a couple years ago, called called Eight Millimeter, and and you know, that movie got millions of dollars to be made about about porn that that 
that kills a person at the end. So it's like every other art form gets this opportunity, and, yeah. and, and so quickly are we pointing fingers at comedians telling them what they can and cannot talk about. It's a fucked. Yeah, and it's uh, Requiem for a Dream makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, sure. Like, why why is that allowed? Yeah, Requiem for a Dream is interesting because people, people were like, go see Requiem for a Dream. I've never felt more depressed in my life. And you're like, what? Why? Look at the <laughs> sentence you just said to me. Why would I? Why would I want to do that? Are you kidding? Like every every har- what's his name Harmony Corin, the guy who made Kids. Yeah. Every one of his weird experimental yeah. films makes me uncomfortable. But yeah. he's artsy. But if I make if you see a dude like Ben Cronenberg get up yeah. and do something kind of artsy and weird, people are like, oh, because it's him. It's yeah. Like actually him in front of them, as opposed to a, a, another medium sitting in between yeah. them. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it, and it is. I'm in a weird position in my life where I see something like that. I see something that's supposed to be disturbing, and I and I and I gain a lot from it. And I gather a lot from it, and, and and sometimes it's it's fun or funny to me. I don't. I'm in a weird, very weird place. Oh no, I, I can't. I saw a dude uh, just kind of kick a cat over a fence, like kind of like punt it. In human, in like in real in life, real life. I saw no, 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 like on a video, but okay. he actually kicked the cat. Yeah. And he made the cat, like, raise, and then he kicks it up, punts it over the yeah. fence. And I was like, that's disgusting. And then I turn on, like, you don't mess with the Zohan, and they're playing hacky sack with the with cat. With the cat, and I'm like, yeah. oh, this is fucking hilarious. Yeah. But is is The scope, yeah, the scope, just change the scope just a little bit, and it's uh, and it changes it. Yeah. Or put a, this was, this was an old thing, like, put a laugh track on it. Put, like, put, like, put, like, uh, <laughs> cartoon music, ba ba da ba 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 and then you kick the cat, and all of a sudden it's funny. <laughs> That's this, what's crazy. This video about, uh, it's a commercial where a, a car flips over, and, yeah. and it crushes all these kids. Yeah. And they, they take that and then add a squish sound when the kids are being really? crushed. And so it was like... Oh, this is this is this is so. This was my buddy's project in college: was take a movie that has a particular uh, uh, like feeling or emotion towards it, and then and then change it by changing the preview, changing the music. So he did Forrest Gump, and he did and he took scenes from the movie and he cut it together so that Forrest Gump Forrest Gump looked like a crazy serial killer, <laughs> like schizophrenic bipolar <laughs> serial killer, and it's brilliant. Uh, and it, and it was a really fun little project. And that's I mean that's that's all art is 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 taking the thing and trying to reposition it yeah. so that what is otherwise tragic what is otherwise uh horrible what is otherwise yeah. disconcerting can now become funny uh and and that's that's yeah. the hardest part that's our whole thing that's I, our whole job like i uh, i was thinking about a bit i want to talk about like social anxiety yeah how i find it more a bigger a way bigger fear than terrorism sure so i applied for this job at the world trade and then the bit was supposed to be like i didn't get the job but i wrote the bit like as soon as I applied, I was like, I'm gonna write this bit. Yeah. So I was like, I work at the World Trade, and thousands of people come in every day, and it's very frightening to think that one day possibly I'm gonna have to talk to one of these people. I have to talk to one of That's these funny. people. So with something like that, and this is the thing that that, that you you eventually had to figure. It's like you need to set, you need to give so much information at the beginning, right? So you set it up to me that this is about social anxiety, right? Yeah. So that joke is predicated upon all that knowledge that they need to have. So you need, yeah. to, so you need to basically almost do a speech about how yeah, shy you are. Like seven minutes of yeah. material about, about how shy, shy you are. This and that. Yeah, just to do the just to do the one the one thing. That's really funny. But that is funny, and 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 this is where I'm at mentally is that um, the chances that the World Trade Towers get hit again, probability wise, is basically zero. 
right? Like yeah. the the best day to fly is the day after a plane crash. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's That's... like it's like that lotto. You know, it's like the lotto <laughs> jackpot. It's like sequels are never great, and they know terrorists know that. Well, not even that. It's just it's just the fact that like the 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 chances that that happened. Uh, are like a, a plane crash, very very slim. Yeah. Uh, the day after a plane crash, there's no way they're gonna let another plane crash. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? So from a probability standpoint, that is the day. That like like the, I, I keep hearing this commercial with this lady trying. This lady tries to get. Uh, this lady tries to. She calls this. Um, I, it's this horrible commercial I keep hearing on Pandora. This, this lady calls in the the security line. And she's like, we were just broken into. We need a security system. Bitch, no, you don't. You needed a security system yesterday. <laughs> this shit is over. You're never getting broke in and broken into again. Oh, yeah. They're you not fucking gonna, did it. They're it's not going to take the risk twice. Right. They're, nobody's going to break no. in with you. But the, the, the person who got in got all your shit. They're not going to come back. And then uh, the next person that comes, who cares? They just took all your shit anyway. What do you need a security system today for? What you need is the insurance to get involved. Right. Well, you should have got yeah. You should have got that <laughs> shit yesterday. And what do you call on the line? And then they're like, "Oh, sorry, you have the wrong number." But they'll, they'll connect you. And they made it seem like the like the the security company was a piece of shit because they were like, "You called the wrong number, bitch! You called the wrong number. <laughs> we don't sell security systems. <laughs> Fuck out of here." That's an entire commercial. It's a horrible commercial. <laughs> It really upsets me. Uh, All right, listen. Uh, this has been fun. I probably talked more than I should have, uh, which <laughs> you being shy actually works out fine. Um, that's, that's cool. So, how do they follow you? You're like you're. It's everything's Ryan Roman eighty nine. Uh, ninety eight. Ninety eight. I keep Ryan getting this Roman, backwards. Ninety eight. Instagram, I, Twitter. I think in my head, I I can't I can't wrap my head around the fact that you were born in nineteen ninety eight. I think that's the problem. Yeah, it's been a year in the nineties. You know. Yeah, that's crazy year. that you were born in nineteen ninety eight. And that we're peers now is crazy to me. <laughs> and only in this thing can that be true. Me, you're a peer. Artie Lang's a peer. Like this, what, what, what a drastic spectrum of difference that these people can be. <laughs> it's like teachers. It's crazy. Uh, so Ryan Roman ninety eight. Yeah, Instagram, on Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook page is just Ryan. Just Roman. regular Ryan Roman. Um, I think there's a bunch of Ryan Roman. So it's the, his, the it's the one that says self employed, which is easy <laughs> for him to say since he still lives with his mom. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's easy to be self-employed when you don't got any fucking bills. Um, but really funny, dude. Crushed it Thanks. at the Hoboken Comedy Festival. Um, working hard. Uh, never asks for anything. So uh, hit him up. Appreciate him. Check out his shows. Anything to plug? I figure this will come out in two or three weeks. Anything to plug coming up? Are you are you um, in anything? I'm doing show and I don't have any like the exact details. So. Yeah. I know so, I'm gonna be at Penn State. Just heads up, heads up for him. February. Check out his uh, check out his his web page. Check out his Twitter. Uh, oh, yeah, RyanRoman.com. I got that up and running. Take some time. Go see this dude do comedy. Uh, yes. Thank you for being here on the Comedy's Best Kept Secret Tour podcast. Guys, we're on iTunes. We're on uh, Google Play. Uh, we're on YouTube now. Wherever you found us, we're also on the other thing. We're going to try our best to give uh, you good content. Uh, on some Dan Frigolette news, I will be at Exotica this weekend and the Inca Awards uh, interviewing some porn stars. The porn stars are people, podcasts, that's my other podcast. Uh, if you haven't heard it, go check it out. It's basically me talking too much, but well, porn stars <laughs> So it's the same podcast, except there's porn stars in the room instead of comedians in the room. And I, uh, I, 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 you know, I need to shut the fuck up. Anyway, check it out. Uh, appreciate you for listening. Thank you for being here. Uh, be safe, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>